by, by my notes, this is a shorter sermon, so you'll be thankful for that. If you have your Bibles, we're in Mark chapter 6 again in this incredible account, Mark 6, 30 through 44, perhaps one of the most well-known accounts in all of the gospel records, the miraculous feeding of the 5,000 from a few loaves and a few fish. And this will be another marginal kind of sermon. The margins are vitally important to Jesus. All of life is important to Jesus and should be for us. And there's so much to glean from the edges, to use a biblical metaphor. A couple weeks ago, we looked at the center of this passage, the primary message, which I think is obvious upon a plain reading, that God loves to give. Jesus loves to provide. God does so abundantly, superfluously. He is not stingy. He is surprising. And this too is good news. The depth of this passage, as you mine it more fully, as we look to the Gospel of John, Jesus gives commentary on exactly what this was meant to reveal, what the sign was meant to point to, that Jesus is the bread of life. God loves to give to all of our needs, our very practical earthly needs, but above and beyond that, greater than that, is our spiritual needs, that Jesus provides satisfaction, fulfillment for all of the hungers that we have that we misplace into our world. He is the source. He is the meaning. He even connected it so boldly to say that he was the reason for the manna in the wilderness, the 40 years of daily bread. Jesus was the fulfillment of that. He is the bread of life. Come to me and you will never hunger. Depend on me daily. Receive me daily. That's the the center of this passage, the primary message, the primary sign, and it is good news. In fact, we might say this, this this is the gospel. The gospel is Jesus fulfills all things, satisfies all hunger, brings us life and life to the full. That's the good news. The means and the implications of the gospel are many. If that's the good news, then we rightly would ask many questions. If that could be real and that could be received, we would ask, how how then is this possible? How can we know it is true? How can we receive it? How can we walk in it? How can we believe it? As many of the, those that first encountered Jesus and his signs were asking questions just like that. We have often reduced the gospel to the crucifixion and the resurrection. The crucifixion and the resurrection are, are means of the gospel, implications of it, and ultimately reasons why we can have such confidence in the truth of the gospel message that God has come to give life and life to the full to heal, to rescue, to deliver both now and forever. How can we know that's true? Because Jesus conquered death. Death is defeated. We have hope forever and we put our confidence in him. But before that reality even sinks in, people were following Jesus and believing the good news, repenting, changing their mind and believing the gospel before they had any concept of crucifixion and resurrection. That leads to our confidence and the means of the accomplishment of the hope that we have of God's kingdom coming both now and forever. If that's the main point of this story, there are also margins of the story that we can glean from and receive that are vitally important. And we we leaned into one of those last week, the margin of why this story even happened. And I think it was appropriate because the disciples had worn their margins almost completely out. They were completely wiped out after the ministry and the mission that they had been on for the weeks or months before. 
And we saw that in verse 30 and 31. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. No rest for the weary. And we found it was not hard to relate, probably for just about every one of us, to what it feels like to be overly tired, weary, worn out with the demands of life upon us, with no end in sight, wrestling with how do we find that rest, that rest work rhythm and balance? How do we do that? Jesus desires to draw us away. Jesus sees our weariness and our tiredness and wants to renew us and restore us and be with us in that. That too is good news. That should be great sounding for those that are feeling weary and worn and many are in that place certainly now. But what happens when we can't find that rest and that rhythm, when we wrestle in that weary place or that busy place? Because every season is different and some are more demanding than others. Some are demanding because God has invited us into that place. He's given us the opportunities to say yes into those responsibilities, to serve, to bless, to be faithful toward a project or work or a family. And those, those demands can be heavy and significant. And how can we find that place? How can we find that place when we are interrupted, when our best plans to build that kind of rhythm, to withdraw, to rest and restore are interrupted or taken away? That's what happens in the margin of this story, which I think is a vital message to hear and receive. So they, they go away. They take a boat out into the lake and they're heading toward a desolate place, verse 32. Now many of the crowd saw them going, recognized them, Jesus and his disciples, and followed, ran on foot from the crowds trying to determine where, where they would meet the boat into this desolate place. Can you imagine they got there ahead of them. So we're longing and we're needing rest. We're, we've carved out this space. Jesus has called us into it and we're looking forward to it. We're, we need that renewal and we're interrupted by demands, by needs, by real legitimate needs, whether it's work, whether it's a text, a phone call, that email, a work emergency, family crisis, a church member in need, real legitimate needs how can we withdraw and rest when others are hurting and suffering? Is God inviting us into that place? Now, enter into the story a little further. What do you think that conversation on that boat was like? 5,000 or more people on the shores were not hiding behind bushes waiting to jump out and yell, surprise, we're here. As they're approaching shore, they've got control, don't they? I can just imagine Peter Jesus, they're everywhere. <laughs> John, listen, if we stop now, we can get to Gennesaret in about an hour and there is no way they can make it. Come on. Thomas, I doubt we will ever be free of these people. So they have a chance. They have a moment here to change direction, to change course. Th their purpose was holy. Jesus inspired it. Come away with me to a desolate place by ourselves to rest and to renew. Holy purpose. Easily justifiable. Jesus, we need this rest. We are weary and depleted. We have nothing else to give. Look at them. 
Jesus leads them to the shore. And the next verse, verse 34, but they went ashore and Jesus had compassion on them. Notice it doesn't say the disciples had compassion on them. We can imagine what they might have been saying and grumbling to one another. Jesus has compassion on them because they are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things and he ministered to them. Now these were at large needy people, amongst them sick and hurting and suffering people. If, if we see any consistency through the gospel, we know they are there. Now maybe it's not the paralytics because they did have to run to get to this desolate place, but they're wanting something deeply from Jesus. They're coming to him with need. And Jesus has compassion on them. Jesus is committed to rest and to solitude. We see that regularly in his life, in his ministry. But he is also willing to delay it. And in this case, significantly so. Spending this entire day with them. And then when it's opportunity to finally withdraw and get that rest, he extends it even further, radically so. You give them something to eat. And we'll look at that in just a moment. How can we know when to extend ourselves like this into ministry, into service, into care for others, and when it's right to say no, when it's right to create those boundaries, when it's right to withdraw and to rest, to say, I have nothing left to give. I need renewal. They're not mutually exclusive. It doesn't mean we don't have empathy to withdraw, and it can be a very holy withdrawing. Of course, you know the answer. This is not prescription. This is description of a day, of a moment, of a life, of ministry. Never are we given, here's when it is right. Here's the circumstances. Here's the parameters. And to, to give more, to, to draw deeper, to push further. And here's when it's right to finally rest and withdraw, say no, and create boundaries. And you know the answer. We must totally be in tune with the Holy Spirit's leadership, as Jesus was. Paul calls it being in step with the Holy Spirit, Galatians 5. And in this case, Jesus is following the Spirit's lead to minister with compassion and to extend that beyond what is even reasonable to do. And then at other times, as we'll see, they do get their rest. They do find solitude. Now, for some of us, I think our default is always yes, and there's no psychoanalysis here, wherever that comes from. Our default is always to give more. If you need something done, ask a busy person. Someone asks you, don't they? Maybe that is you. But if we always give more, and we likely will end up in a place where we are drawing simply out of our own strength and our own reserves, and we're depleting them. The non-technical term would be burnout. I have a number of friends that I know of that were in vocational full-time ministry that are no longer because I believe they got zero rest. They didn't create the margins. They didn't build rhythms. And they would say, and again, other non-technical terms, hit a wall, flamed out, burned out in, in any number of ways. We can certainly think of those that tried to find some kind of escape or numbing in substances and relationships and things that really derailed their, their ministry and made them unqualified. And others that simply, you might say, burned their adrenal glands. I know of at least two that they, they would use a non, another non-technical term. I, I, the doctors say, I just burned out my adrenal glands. I went so hard. 
And now they live with significant consequences because of it. For others of you, your default is, is no. Your default, you're always withdrawing, but not for rest, but away from responsibility, from service, from needy people. But more likely, it's not the people, it's the environments that's stretching, that puts you out of control, out of comfort zone. You can't fix, you can't solve. You know that no matter how much you give, the need is still there. And so it's just easier to withdraw, to let others fill that gap and step in. We hate those places that stretch us out of our comfort zone and expose our weakness. And so that's been the rhythm that we've built. And we use as an excuse, but I need margins. I need boundaries. I need rest. Do you, do you find yourself in one of those defaults? How do, we, how do we live in the tension of walking in the kingdom where sometimes it is right to press in, to draw deep, to be out of our comfort zone, to feel like I've got nothing less left to give and the only way I can serve is to draw on the strength of another, the strength of Christ, where Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Where Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. How do we live into that tension? Where, and at other times, in very similar circumstances, it, it is right to say no. Say, I love you, but I cannot help in this. I need to renew and restore. And in that place, hopefully be renewed and restored for the long-term service and mission that God is calling us to. I think the disciples as we read between the lines of this story, are clearly wrestling with that, looking and ready, excited to be with Jesus, to withdraw, to tell more stories and testimonies about what he had done, and just to have a moment to breathe. Whether that was supposed to be for a day or a couple days, good, holy desire. Jesus stretches them once again, presses into the crowds, leans in, and they seem to go with him, and they're there with him, and then now it's getting late. They're in a remote place. They seize the opportunity. Okay, Jesus, now's the time. Send them away. They're hungry. They've had nothing to eat. We have nothing to give them. Send them away. Care for them in that. <laughs> Send them away. And then we'll go, we'll go and we'll renew our plans for rest. And he looks at them and says, you give them something to eat. What? <laughs> From what? How? Jesus, now we're at our end. Oh, should we just go out and run to the fast food restaurant and get, we don't even have the money for it. You give them something to eat. They were not yet seen with kingdom eyes and kingdom perspective, kingdom heart. They still needed to grow in what it was to walk in the kingdom. And that should give us encouragement. While they were continuing to grow and needing to see with those eyes, so can we, and rightly so. The tension and joy of living in God's kingdom, of following Jesus and the leading of the Spirit. If we give ourselves endlessly too much, we will likely be less and less fruitful, more and more depleted, and potentially grow in bitterness that others are not doing the same, that others aren't giving themselves to the same level as we are, which can lead to bitterness or pride. However, if we withdraw too quickly, if that becomes our default, if we let others always step in, if we wait to see who else might step up, it is possible that we will miss both the supernatural in our midst and the miracle that God wants to do amongst us. And again, we hold this story as description, not prescription. 
but evidence of what it is to walk in the kingdom and to follow Jesus. There will be times where the Spirit will empower us to lean in, to lean into interruptions, to draw deep from another's strength, to rely on one another, that we are not alone, and He will provide, and He will sustain. And there will be other times where we simply must say, in this I cannot help. In this I must stay true to my plans for rest and renewal. I, will, I love you. And to say, I will pray for you is not an excuse, but real and true. We must find that balance and that rhythm. Being encouraged by the disciples who at this point had not yet found it. We're still developing that. We can be encouraged that the Apostle Paul took years before he could say these words from Philippians 4. I have learned what it is to be content, whatever the circumstances, the secret of contentment in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, because the source of his strength was Christ. I would wager my home's air conditioning that every one of us, if we're honest, is in that tension place, perhaps in multiple arenas of our lives, of when we are being invited by the Spirit to give more, to serve more, to stretch more. And we're asking questions like, can I trust you, God? Can I trust you for that provision? Can I trust you for the protection of my family? Can I trust you for the strength? And can I trust you for the rest and renewal to protect and create those margins if you long to withdraw with Jesus for rest, for renewal, for restoration, especially in this present season that you're in, that is good, that is holy, be encouraged. And be encouraged that the Holy Spirit wants to lead you both into that place for renewal and into the place of ministry and service. And even in that, at times, finding renewal and restoration from the strength that God pours into us. When Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Is that not good news? We receive that. And the very next verse, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What is a yoke except a burden and work. There's work to be done. The, maybe the imagery is somewhat lost upon us as two oxen would often be yoked by a wooden bar and there would be a weight upon them that they could pull a plow or pull a harvester of some kind. There was work to be done. Jesus does not say just come away and rest for renewal. Sometimes the renewal comes within taking his work upon, his ministry upon us but we are never alone. We are with him. Sometimes Jesus is in that Eremon, the desolate place, away from all people, away from all distractions, and we should work to find it, to carve those spaces, the message last week. At other times, Jesus is right there in the midst of the crowds, in the midst of the need, pouring himself out and inviting us to join him, even when we feel like we have nothing less left to give and no way to provide ready to do the supernatural in and through us. And I cannot tell you when it is right to lean in and to press in and to stretch and to draw deep on the spirit and when it is right to withdraw, to carve, to protect, to renew and to restore. You must tune your heart and mind 
on the Holy Spirit whose desire is to lead you into fullness, restoration, healing, and ministry in the joy of his kingdom. How do we carve out those places, those times to hear from him, whether it is alone or with others who have seemingly found this work, life, rhythm, rest, balance, and to glean from them as well? Maybe that place is before the sun or in the desolate place, or is that carved out vacation truly removed from distractions? We must work for that and cultivate it. Let's pray again as we respond today that even these kinds of moments, this is the way I'm coming to, to view our Sunday gatherings. When the church is so much more the church, when we disperse from a place like this, maybe even as we slip and slide down a hill and laugh and take pictures and enjoy the joy of our children and new experiences and eat frozen pops and then go from here to serve, opening a cooling center tomorrow for any that might come. Maybe no one comes, maybe one. When we gather around a table and we share ways that God has stretched us, is leading us into his work and his kingdom, or when we are wrestling with what that looks like and how to do that and encouraging one another that we're not alone, this is the church. That's the church. These are places like an Eremon where Together, maybe collectively, we take a deep breath. We pause. We, like the disciples, have drawn away with Jesus for a moment to breathe, to rest, to be renewed and restored. I pray you find those places that are much more extended than this one. But as we gather in that rhythm, may it be a rhythm of Eremond. God, speak to us, meet us, renew us, restore us, we pray. We need you deeply. God, speak in this place. The Lord bless you and keep you cool. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace and his rest. Amen. Respond as you are led, church.